Well, just a couple of uh, housekeeping matters here, and happy Pentecost. Um, Jill and I both will be out next week, and if you have any special need, please contact either Matt or Betsy or uh, anyone on the shepherding team. Also this weekend, several of you contacted me and asked about uh, COVID protocols, and I thought I'd just take a moment and kind of update you on what we're thinking about that. And with you, I'm so thankful that conditions are improving. We're almost through this craziness. In March, the shepherding team approved a phased regathering plan, and then they asked the, uh, the staff to implement it. And we've been primarily focused on what that implementation will look like when we move indoors uh, June 6th, uh, especially in light of the CDC guidelines relaxing the masking requirements for vaccinated people. And what we're trying to do is try to apply national policies locally. And one of the things we say a lot at Old Souls is that good Christians can disagree on important things. And if there ever was an area in which good Christians can disagree, this is it. So certainly understand all the different perspectives in the room. And uh, just wanted to let you know a little bit about why we're taking the path that we're taking. One of the things when the policies changed is uh, I called uh, all the doctors in the church that I could get a hold of. Some of them were out of town. And I said, what are you thinking about this? And they said, this is good, good news, but we encourage you to still go slowly. We're almost there, but we encourage caution. Uh, they said, because the CDC still says risk levels are high in Knoxville. Uh, one of them said that about 67% of our communities not vaccinated. Children under 12 are not vaccinated, and some immunocompromised members of our congregation have not been able to be vaccinated. So we're making tremendous progress, but there's still some risk. And so how do we manage the risk? Well, one thing we could do, and some churches are doing this. I heard an NPR story on this. We could say, you know, if you're not vaccinated, just wear a mask. Um, but the problem there is that it risks dividing us and making public, very personal decisions. And I, I just have not felt as a pastor that it was appropriate for me to ask you whether or not you were vaccinated or uh, I certainly didn't want a situation where we were trying to police this at the door. Now, that's why when we do go into the point, or first Christian it used to be called, on June 6th, we're still trying to figure all this out. Uh, but for now, we're going to ask our vaccinated members to still follow the protocols and wear a mask just a little while longer as the viruses continue to drop. It's a beautiful space. It's not well ventilated at all. And for now, we just think that's the simplest uh, and kind of cleanest approach. Now, th this is a, a very complicated issue. And uh, as you might imagine, different members of the shepherding team have different perspectives. And we've had some uh, very rich and uh, lively conversations about what we should do. And after those convictions have been shared, the, the, the sense has been, look, we've shared what we think. We trust the staff to make a reasonable interpretation of this policy, and, and we'll support it. Now, several of you have wisely pointed out that uh, all the research pretty much says that gathering outside is relatively safe. And uh, that's clearly the case. We did not 
think much about these two days of Yards Church because we've been focusing on the 6th. And so as of now, there's no need really when you come up to wear your mask anymore, Yard Church or at the banquet or the picnic or next week at Yard Church. Because you're right, there's a lot of safety and if you choose to not wear it tonight and next week. So follow the bulletin as uh, things progress. We're still monitoring the, the benchmarks and the virus levels, uh, and the bulletin will be the primary way that we communicate with you about this. Now, back to our sermon. How do you know when it is time to pivot? Uh, how do you know when it's time to adjust your course a bit and let go of prior plans and commitments? You know, maybe you've been in a relationship for a long, long time, and you thought it would lead to marriage, uh, but now you're not so sure. How long do you stay in the relationship? Do you keep investing, or has there come a point where you're wasting your time? Or suppose you have an idea for a business, and you really have believed God wanted you to start the business, yet nothing ever quite seems to come together. How, how do you know whether you should keep pursuing it or whether it's time to pivot and move on to something else. Or maybe you're in graduate school, and you really thought you were supposed to go to graduate school, uh, but it, it just one hurdle after another, and it seems like the, the end line just gets further away, and you're going deeper into debt, and you're wondering, should I keep doing this? How do you know? How do you know whether you should stop or keep going? So we're aware of the fallacy of sunk costs. We've all probably heard of that, this idea that, that you've put so much money and energy into something that you keep doing it even though you shouldn't do it anymore. Uh, we know that's not wise. But at the same time, we know God calls us to persevere, to endure, even to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. Nothing great happens without suffering. So how do you know whether you should endure the job you're in, the relationship you're in, the community you're in? And how do you know when to pivot? Well, these are very difficult questions, and uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy wrestle with them in their own way as they launch their second missionary journey. Uh, we pick up the story in Galatia, a Roman province in what is now Turkey. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I like this definition of discernment. Discernment is the increasing capacity to recognize and respond to the presence of God in the small and large experiences of life. So the idea, I think, is that we practice discernment all day long in the small things so that when the big decisions come, we know kind of what to do because we're used to practicing discernment. And, and so I think we can assume that Paul, from what we know of him, has a practice of discernment and prayer. He studies Scripture. He dialogues with others. And so I think we can assume that Paul and his team have some sense of the Lord's leading that they should go to Asia first. And they probably remembered the Lord's words, which we have in Acts 1.8. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's Luke's outline for the book of Acts. That's 
Paul's marching orders. And so probably what they were thinking is the most strategic way to get the gospel to the most people the quickest is to go west into Asia and to start a church planting movement in Ephesus, which will then send the gospel into as much of the known world in the East that we know. That makes all the sense in the world. And yet they are forbidden by the Spirit from heading west. We don't know how that happened, but they are. And so they regroup. Uh, this little band of missionaries decides now, well, okay, we're going to try plan B. The Spirit says, don't go west. Let's go north to Bithynia. And this was a great plan because in that region of what we call modern Turkey, there are cities like Nicaea and Chalcedon. And these will become very important cities in the history of the church, but not yet. The Holy Spirit, verse 7, when they'd come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Uh, the King James says, suffered them not to go. <laughs> and so plan B is out. What they thought God had wanted them to do, the Holy Spirit suffers them not to do. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. So they're forbidden to go west to Asia. They're forbidden to go north to Bithynia. So they head over to this port city called Troas, very important port on the Aegean Sea. All the land traffic in the east went through there. All the shipping lanes that got you over to Greece went through there. And when they're there, Paul has a dream. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Macedonia is in northern Greece, and so now we're 600 miles away from Antioch, and we're going exactly uh, in a very different direction than where they set out to go. So, this turns out to be a very fruitful pivot. The gospel is planted in Europe. They plant churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, and Colossia. So back to our original question, and this is how we'll wrap up. When do I pivot? When do I know, all right, I've given enough energy to this. I need to move on. And when do I keep pressing? Because God's called me to. Well, our passage doesn't really give specifics, but there's a couple of principles I'd like to point out as we wrap up. First, the Holy Spirit guides us. Today's Pentecost, one of the ministries of the Spirit is guiding the children of God. Romans 8, Paul says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Luke wants us to see that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in guiding the believer's life. Now, often the guidance comes in specific ways in Acts. You have uh, sermons, you have councils, you have conversations, you have uh, dreams, you have angels sometimes, you have prophecies. But here he leaves it kind of vague that the Holy Spirit forbid them or would not let them. And, and I, it could be that here he's referring to more of an inner internal sense that something was off. 
that their direction was wrong, that they needed to recalibrate. One way the Spirit guides us is through our intuition, through our feeling, through our inner sense of what God is doing. Now, we need to be careful here. Feelings can be deceptive. They're not the only way to discern God's will, but God gave us a feeling for a reason. If, for example, you you continually feel anxiety about a direction you're headed in, or you continually feel a kind of a sense of dis-ease or dread or confusion, I say pay attention to that and talk to someone about it. If you lack energy where you once had energy, if you lack joy where you once had joy, pay attention to those feelings. God may be trying to say something. Now, on the other hand, when God is leading you into something, You may feel like something is expanding in you or pressing in on you or being born in you. You Pay attention to those feelings. Uh, If you notice great energy around a certain path or if certain ideas keep coming to you and you just can't shake them, pay attention to those feelings. So maybe the most important part of our sermon tonight is that the Holy Spirit will help guide you as you try to discern decisions in your life. Second, pay attention to when way closes. And this is a a Quaker expression. And it basically is when you are trying to go somewhere, and it just seems like the door's closed. The Quakers call that when way closes. And uh, Parker Palmer, a, a Quaker writer, has a beautiful book called Let Your Life Speak. And one of the chapters is called When Way Closes. And I'll read the last little part of it. As often happens on the spiritual journey, we've arrived at the heart of a paradox. Each time a door closes, the rest of the world opens up. All we need to do is stop pounding on the door that just closed. Turn around, which puts the door behind us and welcome the largeness of life that now lies open to our souls. My anxiety about way not opening, the anxiety that kept me pounding on closed doors, almost prevented me from seeing the secret hidden in plain sight. I was already standing on the ground of my new life, ready to take the next step on the journey. If only I'd turn around and see the landscape that lay before me. If we are to live our lives fully and well, we must learn to embrace the opposites, to live in a creative tension between our limits and our potentials. We must honor our limitations in ways that do not distort our nature, and we must trust and use our gifts in ways that fulfill the potentials God gave us. We must take the no of the way that closes and find the guidance it has to offer, and take the yes of the way that opens, and respond with the yes of our lives. That might even be a question you ask the Lord tonight, or ask a friend if if this sermon is kind of dialing in somewhere. Has way closed? Is way closing? Am I fighting that? 
You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when way closes. I find a lot more energy when way opens. And sometimes I just kind of hang on too long, maybe. So don't do that. Three, keep doing the last thing you knew you were supposed to do. <laughs> it, we see these little phrases like, and they went through the region, or, and they attempted to go. So they keep going. They don't stop. I don't know. Sometimes when we don't know what to do or we feel like I'm not sure where this is headed or I'm wondering if I've, I'm pursuing this and maybe I'm not supposed to be at this school next year or I'm confused about whether I should stay in this ministry or this leadership assignment or in this relationship or, or whatever. Sometimes we feel like I just need, I'm not going to do anything until I figure this out. Well, normally God helps us figure us out as we go. You just keep doing whatever it is you knew to do last, and he usually will show you what's next. Fourth, be open to significant redirection. <laughs> Paul and Silas and Timothy, they don't end up anywhere near where they thought they'd be. Anywhere near. And that might happen to you too. And then lastly, sometimes you have to pivot before you fully understand where you're going next. I, I don't know. I, we could read the passage different ways. I get the sense, had they just kept doggedly pushing on to Asia, even when the Spirit said no, I just have the sense they wouldn't have gotten the Macedonian vision. They, they had to take the first steps in following the Spirit and start the move before they figured out where they were going. And I think that's often true in the spiritual life. Let me end with a Pentecost prayer for guidance, and we'll come to the table. Oh, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of Jesus, our text says. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for being present among us. And Lord, I... I pray now for any of us that are kind of living in this passage and you're, you're just wondering, am I supposed to keep going with this? Or is the Spirit nudging me to pull back and reassess? Is this just hard right now and I'm tired and I need to press through because that's what being faithful looks like? Or... Is the Holy Spirit recalibrating the GPS and saying, actually, we're not going to Asia. We're going to Europe. Holy Spirit, as we enter into Pentecost season, through all the ways that you guide us, through Scripture, through fellowship, through worship, through prayer, even dreams and visions, words, we don't want to go to Asia when you forbid us. Lord, that, that's when we get into trouble, is when we veer off into places you didn't ask us to go. So, Lord, just even tonight, if, if maybe there's just one person here, maybe they just doggedly have said, doggone it, I said I was going to Asia. I told my father I was going to Asia. I paid a down payment on the trip to Asia. I'm going to Asia. Even when you are saying, no, you're not. That's not where you're supposed to go. Just pray in your beautiful, gentle, but strong way. You would make that clear to us tonight. In your name.
Amen.